0: Welcome to Dulles. We're a community of faith that embodies the love of Jesus for the good of our neighbor and renewal of our world. We're so glad you're
1: listening.
2: Quite a few people told me this week I just had to stop. I had to turn the news off. I had to stop reading. I had to stop watching. And I understand that. I understand that well. Um, I have not, even with the festival, I've really tried to stay tuned into what's happening. Uh, it's. I, I went into the festival totally distracted, and I've carried that with me this week, and I'm sure you have. I think there's been a heavy-heartedness and a distraction because of the events of our world, and with it is not just concern for children and innocent grandmothers and people confined within the city walls of Gaza and what's been done to these Israeli families. But when a crisis like this sets in, it really kind of has an effect, you know, we sort of find ourselves slipping into these existential kinds of thoughts, like, what is wrong with our world, and what else could go wrong, and how could this affect my kids and my way of life? And so, uh, I'm I'm certainly not this morning going to get into the geopolitical, I've got thoughts on all of this, and I'm sure we're all going back and looking at, man, what? Why this struggle? Why has this been going on for so long? Uh, That's for another time and really maybe for coffees rather than conversation from the stage here this morning. What I want to do this morning is give you what I think is the solution. And I know that can be just an audacious statement. Um, My confidence in the solution is not in something that I've thought up or... You know, I think I see the world correctly. It is in the New Testament, understanding the New Testament, what Jesus told us about the world, why the world is broken, why we as humans act the way we do, how far low humanity can go, how we can treat each other with such horror, and that the common thread that can cause such grotesque, disgusting acts that put the world in shock, there's a thread of that in every single human. If you think, well, that would never happen in my country, or that would never happen in my house, thank goodness we live in a safe community, or that these things don't happen in my community, there is something that we all have in common, the New Testament tells us clearly, where we are broken, and that brokenness causes us to act unwhole-like, Unlifelike to other people, sometimes to the very people that live in our homes. It's why we get defensive. It's why we hide and blame. It's why ugly things can come out of our mouths. It's really it's the 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 common root is the same root problem. And so, what I want to look at this morning for just a few, and I'm, we're we're, we're going to watch two short films, and I just thought that was appropriate for what we've been doing as a film festival this weekend. And before we do. I want to get to the very high level of what I think is going on and what I think the solution is. There is a confusion in this particular crisis because of God's association with Israel. This is is an extra burden on society today, particularly when there's a misunderstanding out in society of, of, of what Scripture teaches us. And when there's a misunderstanding within the church of what scripture teaches us. And I think that has been a ubiquitous problem in our part of the world for a hundred years or more. There is such a thing as disagreement on what scripture teaches. When, When we tend to, as a culture, see somebody under the name of God or in the name of Jesus say something that, we just know it just seems wrong to us or it seems ridiculous or potentially harmful. They're saying that in God's name. It's hard to know, well, who do we trust? Who's speaking for God in a life-giving way? And who is, is it all just wrong? Is it all out of bounds? And this is, this is I think I'm generalizing the state of our society today. When Amy and I met, we met at a wedding, and that weekend, the weekend we met in a mutual friend's wedding, and we started hanging out that week, I learned that her church, that she'd been a part of her whole life, was splitting right down the middle. They were going through a church split. And it, it, it can sound to us this morning, removed from that situation, removed from the denomination she grew up in, it can sound ridiculous or almost sort of comical to us. But this church split pretty much 50-50, I'd say, because of the way they baptized people. There had been a growing argument among her, her church that, and it was a denominational thing around the country, that instead of baptizing in water three times in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, baptism should be once in the name of Jesus. And the church got into an argument about this, People got upset and said, well, this is our building. No, it's our building. And we watched, I watched happen what we've seen happen so many times in so many places. And a lot of people who are onlookers wonder, well, what's true? What if they're all wrong? What if the Bible's just wrong? And this this is a phenomenon that happens based on interpretation of Scripture how you read scripture, and understand its emphasis, understand what Jesus came to do on this earth, what the New Testament church is about, what our role is in the world. And so I want to speak to this, really speaking to the solution of what's wrong with our, with our planet. The Bible Project is a fin- fantastic animation studio in Portland, Oregon, And not only are they making remarkable stories and they can tell stories so concisely, but the the core of the Bible project is a theology mindset, a worldview, an interpretation of Scripture that just resonates so deeply with me and how I read the New Testament, how I read the Bible. And so before we watch this first of two videos this morning, and some of you have seen this, some of you have seen, I, I share these often with people and friends and at coffees and sometimes in coffee shops. I'll open any number of 10 or 15. They've, I think they've produced over 200 videos now. Uh, these two I titled today, The Story of God in Two Short Films. I believe these two films in five minutes each really capture the, the meta story of God and what he's doing in our world and your and my involvement and enrollment involvement in this plan. And if you think, oh, I've already seen these, Brad, and you want to kind of start scrolling through your phone or thinking about what's for lunch, I'm just, I'm really urging you to dig into this content again. It is so rich with, I think, such a well-told narrative of what God's plan is that's revealed in Scripture. And before we watch the first one, I want to just tell you a couple things I want you to know. Heaven is the space of God's flawless presence and his creative beauty. I don't think that's hard for us to grasp. I think most people would say, okay, I get that. I understand that. But scripture is the story of the reunion, the reconnecting of God's space and our space. God's heart, since humanity, broke this space of God's dwelling on earth. Perfect earth, flawless earth, beautiful creation, the possibilities of humans reflecting God in the businesses we would create, the cities we would build. It was endless. And we broke it by taking control and we've spent much of our recent series on this whole concept. God immediately began his plan of reestablishing his presence back on earth again. The way it was intended in the beginning. And so a few things that we're going to put here on the screen. God designed temples. And if that sounds like, oh man, this is a boring Old Testament Bible word, stay with me on this. And this video is going to really help us see the relevance today for you and me today in a world that has sometimes seemingly gone crazy. God designed temples to be where heaven meets earth. A temple has always been, in God's design, where God and people overlap and interact. Where his presence and human presence dwell together. Eden was the first temple. And Eden was earth. This is the place where we were to walk with God in the garden as we create it, as we expand it throughout the world. And you may even say throughout the solar system, creation was the place where God would dwell with people. This was Eden. We forfeited that experience, and earth became corrupt, a broken version of what was intended. Then God created a temporary temple. In the Old Testament, an actual building, first called a tabernacle, then called the temple. That became his intersection where we would be able to commune and interact and talk with God. The closer you were to the physical temple, the closer you were to God's power and his presence on earth. Then Jesus came to earth as the temple. Jesus actually became the temple. Where Jesus was, was the presence of God. When people encountered Jesus, they were encountering God on earth. And this was, God is so passionate to reestablish Eden, As it was to be, he actually came physically to our world. And this is what's remarkable. And at the same time being remarkable, it is so difficult for followers of Jesus to not only get their heads around this based on the way you grew up in church or what your theology has been or uh, how you've been taught to think about Scripture, and to think about the role of the church. But it's also challenging for us to live this out. I mean, what I'm about to say is the call to your purpose and my purpose, your job, your career, your retirement, none of it compares to what Jesus has called as his ultimate mandate for you and me as the church, the followers of Jesus. Remarkably, those who follow Jesus, people who make up the church, are now God's temple. We're God's temple, we're his intersection of his space and power and voice with the space of human activity and wandering in relationships god has chosen you and i followers of jesus who are indwelt with god's spirit his spirit is placed in us we become the intersection of god's space and the space of humanity for one another in the church and for those outside the church i believe this video in five minutes or so, captures this so well. This is such a great, clear explanation of what God is really doing when you want to look at the world and say, is God even around anymore? It seems like things are getting worse. What is God's plan again? I thought resurrection was supposed to be God creating good in a broken world and reestablishing life. Let's watch this video, and I'll have some thoughts before the second one.
1: Now we can go and be with God again. But not so fast, because the temple also creates a problem. So God's space is full of his presence and goodness and justice and beauty, but human space is full of sin and injustice and the ugliness that results.
0: So how do these spaces overlap if they're so different and they're in conflict with each other? This was resolved through animal sacrifice. Yeah, that's
1: to end the age of sin and death by redeeming all of human history in a renewed creation. And God's space and human space completely overlap once again.
2: Okay, so the the thought, I I, I grew up in the church where the prevailing thought was our world is awful. It's horrible. People do awful things to each other. It's corrupt, you know, what we see in the in the, 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 the context on the right in this video. And Jesus will one day come and take us all out of here and take us to that place that is perfect. The problem with this is that's not described in Scripture. That picture is not God's plan. God's plan is that the earth will one day be Eden again, that this is ultimately going to be heaven again. God's presence will be on earth again with earth wholly renewed, beautifully creative as it was intended to be. You and I thriving in life, no longer saying goodbye to loved ones and people that on this side of God's restoration experience death and pain and heartache. And so, When this comes up in conversation, people say, well, wait a minute, where do I go then when I die? God makes it clear throughout the New Testament, Jesus depicted right there just a moment ago on the cross, said to one thief, today you'll be with me in paradise. But the paradise is not the end point. Paradise, the ultimate paradise, when earth is restored, will be here. So heaven is not a faraway place that God is going to take you and me to and get us away from this awful world. He's reconstructing. His plan is to reconstruct life and wholeness in this world. Earth used to be heaven, and it will be again. And if this is such a crazy concept to you, like, wait, the Bible really says that? This is actually the story of Scripture. From beginning to end. The last picture in the last couple of pages of Revelation shows the earth has been, it's the new heavens and the new earth aligned together again to form the new Eden. This next video speaks to this, and uh, then I'll have a a closing thought about a decision I made earlier in this week with one of my neighbors that relates to everything that we're going to watch in this video. Let's watch this video called Tree of Life.
0: The story of the Bible begins in a garden where God and humans live together. And the biblical authors want us to see
1: this garden as a type of temple. The top is the most sacred place, the holy of holies, where God's presence is most intense. And that is where we find the tree of life. So, what is this tree all about? Well, it represents God's own life and creative power that is made available to others. In fact, God's first command is that humans eat from all of the trees, including this one. So, you are ingesting God's own life. That sounds intense. Yeah, this meal transforms the one who eats it, or in the words of the story, it
0: leads to eternal life. Okay, but on the way to the tree of life, the humans have to pass by another tree called the tree of knowing good and bad. And God says that eating from this tree will kill you. How does it do that? Well, it represents taking the
1: authority to do what is good in your own eyes. And when humans do that,
0: it leads to broken relationships, violence, and death.
1: And so here's the thing. Both trees look beautiful, but one of them is a false tree of life. And the humans
0: take from this false tree of life. And they're exiled from the garden for good. Which raises the question, can anyone ever get back to the tree of life?
1: Well, later on in the story, we meet a man named Moses. And he encounters God in a desert tree on top of a mountain.
0: Oh, you mean the burning bush where Moses is told that he's standing on holy ground.
1: Yeah, it is a plant on a mountain radiating with God's life and power just like the tree of life. And God tells Moses, bring your people up to this mountain so we can form a partnership. And this partnership will force them to make a choice. Will they follow gods of their own making or receive life from the true God? And in this story, they give their allegiance to an idol. And it is just the first of many. The story goes on to show generation after generation choosing gods of their own making. And these idols were usually placed on tall hills like beautiful trees. But they are false trees of life that lead the people into self-destruction,
0: exile, and death. It is like death's grip on us is too strong to resist? Is there any hope? Well, let's turn now to the story
1: of Jesus. He came to announce that God's eternal life was available once again through him. So Jesus thinks of himself as the tree of life. Yes, this is what he meant when he claimed to be the vine that brings God's life into the
0: world. And Jesus invited people to eat from him.
1: Yeah, he was inviting people to trust him and be transformed by his life. But Jesus also exposed how corrupt humans are, how much they love false trees of life. And so Jesus presented people with a new choice between life or death. And this
0: time they don't just choose death. They also chose to attack the one who sustains all of life.
1: Yes, Jesus is led up to the top of a hill where he dies upon a tree. The cross is the sad and violent result of humanity's desire to do what is good In our own eyes. The tree of life has been overcome by the power of death. Well, it seemed that way. But Jesus said that he was a seed of God's life that would die in the ground, but then grow into a plant that would bear much fruit. So to defeat death, Jesus went through it. And now this new tree of life stands before us all. We can eat from it, but it will mean passing through death like Jesus, allowing our old way of being human to die.
0: So that a new humanity can grow in its place.
1: Yes, Jesus said he is the vine and we are his branches. So not only do you eat from this tree, you are invited to become a part of it, helping produce its fruit so that his life and love can spread through us to others. And so the story of the Bible ends in a new garden, which is also a kind of temple, with the tree of life at its center, providing healing and life forever to all who choose to eat from it.
2: People have asked me so much, like, where, what is the relevance of Israel today and with what God's plan is? And I, I, I just, this deserves a couple of hours, and I'm going to say it in a statement or two. Israel was God's people his vehicle in the Old Testament to be his blessing and his voice, his gift of love to the world, and they forfeited that. Jesus came to fulfill the calling of Israel. I believe our hearts should be broken in what's happened in Israel this week because these are humans, these are fellow humans. What I don't believe is that God's plan for the future of the world somehow rests on Israel. I believe that day is over, I believe Jesus fulfilled that Old Testament plan for Israel. The plan for the world today, his voice, his power, his people that he, his vehicle that he wants to use in the world and extending his life, little pieces of Eden, transformed goodness and creative beauty is his church. I believe the church in the New Testament era is the new Israel, God's chosen people to be a blessing to the world, to a world that's in chaos and hurt. This week, I was walking and praying one morning, and I thought I would be praying about the film festival and how God would use it, and you know. And I ended up on this whole, just what's happening in our, in our planet and what's happening in the Middle East. And my heart was so heavy and I really want to say this appropriately, because I'm going, to, I'm going to speak to actual neighbors that live on my street. But um, I had this overwhelming sense that I needed to go to my neighbor, who's three, three houses away from me, who's from Iran, who's been in the States for, I don't know, a few decades. We built a friendship. He's an older, retired man. And... Wasn't exactly sure I was gonna say when I got to his door. We've walked together sometimes and we've had uh, a couple of meals together. Uh, I haven't chatted with him for, I don't know, it's been over a month that we've had really a conversation. And I got to his door and he came to the door and he was like, Brad. And I said, Hormoz, it's so good to see you. And he was like, what's up? And I, I, I said, Hormoz, I need to tell you something about my faith. <laughs> When you see me walking in the neighborhood, I'm often praying. Not always, but often I'm, I'm, I'm talking to God. Just about our world and what, what maybe God wants to be doing in me and in my heart. And, and, and I felt so strongly this morning I needed to come just tell you I'm so glad you're my neighbor. And he said, I'm glad you're my neighbor too. And I said, I I need you to understand that our world, just things that are happening, you know, it's so easy for people to look at each other differently. Or where are you from? And we, we just, we build our fences and we, we guard ourselves. And I saw tears in his eyes. And I said, I'm just here to tell you I'm so glad you're my neighbor. And it's been, it's been too long since we've had a meal together. And he said, my wife gets home from Iran in 10 days. And let's have lunch we'll have Amy and you over and we we hugged <laughs> and we just had this moment and I don't know my agenda is I'm not trying to convert somebody I'm not I'm 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 following what I believe was the prompting of God's spirit in me I didn't feel like I was should get on a plane and go to Israel or or stand on a street corner and preach at people. I, what I felt in the moment God's Spirit told me to do was to go to a specific neighbor and tell him how grateful I am that he's my neighbor. And I don't know. I don't, I don't even know what the ultimate plan is in that conversation. I just trust when you, when you believe you are now the agency of God's Spirit on this planet, that can be overwhelming and intimidating. And but what about all my junk? And what about the things that... Jesus says, Brad, I've made you new. I'm making you new, and I want to use you in this world. When you believe that, and you believe the Spirit of God has filled you, and that he speaks to you, you there are moments where he speaks, and you either obey and follow the prompting, or this, can, this is awkward. I, I just knock on his door. <laughs> or you don't. You pull back in caution, and we say, God, heal our world. Fix what's wrong with these people, and fix and I think if we pull back and we wait for God to fix, He'll wait for another generation that actually takes the New Testament seriously. And then it was a day later, <clears throat> another neighbor of my street pulled up with his kids, and I just went down and from, from another part of the world in the Middle East. And I just, I, he was running up his driveway with his kids, and I just ran over and said his name and said, Hey, I just. We haven't chatted in a little while. I've been busy getting ready for the film festival. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I hope it's, it's going to go well. And I said, I just, you guys are such good neighbors. And we haven't had a meal together. And so we decided, and I don't even know if I told you this, that we decided we're going we're to have a meal together, our families. Um, I don't know how profound the result of this will be. I don't have an agenda. I sincerely don't. I'm not secretly trying to maybe we can get them to church or maybe I would love it if some of my neighbors who I don't believe I don't know have experienced what Jesus has done in my life end up experiencing that sometime somehow because of my relationship with them my agenda is to follow God's prompting every day as someone who's been broken and can say ugly things to my wife at times when I'm frustrated And I know what it is to be selfish. And I know what it is for the power of Jesus to make me new and to work life in me. And that my little part of the world is starting to become every day more and more like Eden. And I'm not there yet, I'm a work in progress, but this is what the resurrection of Jesus has offered me. And then the second part of the story is, oh and now Brad, you're on mission. To extend my love, the Old Testament calling to Israel is now the, the calling to the church to be my blessing in the world. My voice, my hope, my arm around the shoulder when someone's grieving or hurting. Forgiveness and grace to someone who's made a mistake that they're ashamed of. To be the voice and heart of Jesus in this world. And I'm going to do this the best I can without holding a big fat Bible and preaching at people and telling people what they've done wrong. That is not the New Testament. The New Testament is to say, you know, I've, uh, I've got a story to tell that's broken and kind of ugly. And I've experienced God renewing me. That's what the world wants to hear. They, wanna, they, they don't want to hear us tell them how broken they are. Humans know they're broken. We intrinsically know something's wrong. What humans are looking for is for other humans to say, I'm broken, and I'm being made whole. Something beautiful is happening in me. That's what makes the world sit up and lean in and say, you know, I think I'd like to join you on a Sunday morning maybe and just listen to this, more of this. So I've committed my life to this. I want to be part of the movement of Eden being reestablished in this world. And someday Jesus will return And he will finish the process in making everything the way it's supposed to be. Uh, But he's waiting for a generation of people who follow him to be part of that movement now. And so I hope this speaks to the crisis our world's in and the state of the Middle East right now. I really believe it does. I don't know that I got the words just right. I think there's probably a better way to articulate what I'm trying to say this morning. But the film festival, in my family, in the way I save money... In my relationships, it's all about this. My whole life is all about this. And I'm inviting you to surrender your life so much to Jesus that your whole life is about this. Bringing heaven to earth. As imperfect as you are, the remarkable, renewing work of Jesus breathing through you out toward those around you. This is what's going to change our world. I really believe it's the solution. Jesus, you taught us to pray that your kingdom, your will in heaven would come to earth. So Father God, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in your perfect dwelling place. May we be part of reestablishing Eden on earth because of your work, Jesus renewing each of us, restoring each of us, making us more and more the image of God that we were intended to be. May we choose this today as we follow you. May we choose it tomorrow. And when we stumble, and when that word comes out of our mouth or when that frustration, may we experience your mercy and your forgiveness and your good as we understand the work and progress that each of us is. Thank you, Jesus, for your love and your patience and your good and that we get to be part of the solution in this world. We're so grateful. Amen.